0: Well, as always, church, it is good to be with you. Uh, if you're new or visiting, my name is Tyler David. Uh, I'm a downtown AM campus pastor, one of our preaching pastors and elders here at the Austin Stone. We're glad that you're here. If you have a Bible, go and open up to Proverbs 8, to Proverbs chapter 8 in the scriptures. Well, uh, we are taking a break, as you can tell, we're opening to Proverbs. We're taking a break from Ephesians uh, for the rest of the summer. If you're new, we've been preaching through the the book of Ephesians the last couple of months, and we're taking a break for the summer. Uh, In June, we're going to have our Pursuit of Wisdom series all through June. And then in July, we're going to have our annual summer preaching series. We have the distinct honor to have great pastors and preachers from all over the country come fill this pulpit and preach the Word of God to us. And so that's kind of the schedule, kind of the outlook for the rest of the summer. We'll be back in Ephesians in August. But today, today we begin our series entitled The Pursuit of Wisdom as we look at the book of Proverbs. And I've been really excited about this series for some time because of the unique nature of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. See, Proverbs is an an interesting one because it's part of the wisdom literature in the Scriptures. So in the Scriptures, you have different genres of literature that are given to us in the Word of God, and one is wisdom. And the books that make up the wisdom literature are the Psalms, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, some say James, and Proverbs. But Proverbs is distinct, and it's known as the book of wisdom. Book of wisdom. Now, wisdom is something we seldom think about. We don't think about wisdom in terms of God's Word or our lives or how He relates to us. We we don't think in terms of wisdom, wisdom very often. See, we tend to think about, when we think about God and our life and how He relates to us, we think about morality. We tend to think about what God has told us, what we should and should not do, what is good and bad, what is right and wrong. We think in terms of morality, and as essential and as important as that is, Morality, for the large part, is very unhelpful for the majority of the circumstances you and I face. So you and I, our lives are filled with conundrums and stress and anxiety, and most of the time in our decision-making, it's not an issue of morality, it's an issue of wisdom. It's an issue of wisdom. So I doubt any of you have had prolonged seasons where you have wrestled with, Struggled with the question of should I kill this person? If you have, let's talk later. Some things to work through, okay? You don't wrestle with the question, should I steal this? What's the answer? Should I commit adultery? Like, we don't wrestle with those questions. Why? The answer is easy, the answer is obvious. The Bible's really clear. So, if those things happen, it's not because you didn't know. It's because you wanted to. But when it comes to our lives, what consumes our thinking are not questions of morality, it's questions of wisdom. The questions that consume our thinking and we stress over questions like, where should I live? Should I date this person? Should I marry that person? How should I raise my child? How do I respond to their outbursts? Should I take this job or that job? Should I move? Should I stay? Should I invest in that or in that? And on and on I could go of, these are the questions we wrestle with. These are the circumstances we find ourselves in where morality is not that helpful. What we need is wisdom. And even more importantly, these decisions will affect your life dramatically. Like, you make the wrong decision on one of these questions, the outcomes could be disastrous. The outcome could be terrible for you. So as important as morality is, it's not enough in these situations. No, what we need is wisdom. We need to understand there's a way that God made the world to work best. And I know for me, I could have used some wisdom on my first date with my wife. Could have used a lot of wisdom that I did not have. So I I took my wife out to lunch, our first date, and that night we reconnected and watched a movie and it went amazing. It's a great date. Better than I ever thought, killing it, right? It's great. But at the very end, at the very end of the date, I revealed that I lack some wisdom. So let let me back up a little bit to give some preface so you understand what I'm saying. So with me, back in the day, before I was married, before I was dating Lauren, I was always really insecure with the women that I dated. Really insecure. I was the classic kind of clingy guy. I was like, please don't leave me. I love you forever. Like that was me. That was me. I'll be your best friend forever. Just don't leave. Like that's what that was me. And so for me, that first date with Lauren, we're at lunch, having a good time. Then watch the movie, and the whole time I'm like, keep the insecurity down. Like that's what I'm thinking. Don't show your cards. Play it cool, sup girl. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I'm playing it cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about you. Whatever, please love me. Like that's what was going on. <laughs> and and so she, w- it went great. And so Lauren, at one point in the the date, tells me how interested she is in dating me. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. I'm feeling too comfortable. And then I get attached too quick. So at the end of the date, end of the date, I'm about to leave, movie's over, we're talking. I look at Lauren, and, and this is our first date. Look at her and I say, I really like you. Now, you hear that, you're like, that's not that bad. But I guarantee you my eye said, never leave me. Like, that's what my eye said. Don't you ever leave. Don't you go dine on me. That, that, was, that was the situation that we had. And my wife, my wife responded the way that God knew that I needed to hear. She responded. I go, Lord, I really like you. Puppy dog eyes, please respond. She goes, okay. <laughs> okay. It's like, that's all you got? So we have, we have... That moment happened. She says, okay, and I go into a spiral of insecurity, and I get really awkward. I get really uncomfortable, and no lie. I go, okay, well, I'm going to go, and I just left. I just left. I didn't know what to do. Now, in that moment, I didn't need morality. I needed some wisdom. I needed wisdom to tell me, hey, take it easy, big fella. First date, ease up. I needed wisdom to tell me that in the Proverbs over and over again what we're told is that a fool, a fool always says what's on their mind. A fool always says, oh, I'm thinking it. I must say it. That's what a fool does. I should have read the Proverbs where it told me there's some wisdom in having a filter and having things saying, I shouldn't share that thought. Like, that's a good thing. That's wisdom. So when I, so when I told Lauren how much I liked her, That wasn't sin, it just wasn't wise. And for all the situations like these where there's no clear right and wrong, it's not black and white, what you and I need is wisdom. We need wisdom, but we don't have that category in our thinking, we we don't have that category to look at the world, and so if we don't have that category, what will happen, you won't understand how God's Word and who God is relates to you in these situations. You won't understand how God's Word relates to these situations, so you'll either misuse the Bible or neglect the Bible. In these situations, when it's not black and white, we tend to either misuse the Bible or neglect the Bible. So, Some of us in here, we tend to misuse the Bible. We tend to think and start thinking that in in the Scriptures, God's going to give us a direct answer to every question we have. That every situation, if I just read the Bible long enough, I'm going to find a way where God's give me a direct vision and wisdom and answer for every situation. So we do the, the Bible Ouija board method, okay? We take the Bible, we go, okay, Holy Spirit, I trust you. Close my eyes. There's the word, right? Okay, I need to go do this. Okay, that's what we have in mind. Now, you may have never done the Ouija board method, but we do things similar, go to a verse, take it totally out of context and begin to say this is why God wants me to make XYZ decision. We go to a verse, take it out of its context and say find a way for that to mean something for us cuz we think that the Bible gives us the answers to everything we need. Every every question we have, every circumstance we face. And here's what happens. In your mind, because you have that thinking, you begin to say, well, God told me to do X, Y, Z thing, but then X, Y, Z thing ends up being a very bad decision. So who was wrong? Was God or was it you? We begin to misuse the Bible. And what happens, we end up being let down thinking, I thought this was the best decision, but it ended up being the worst decision. So if you don't have the category of wisdom, you'll misuse the Bible, but others of us we totally neglect the Bible. See, so you've tried looking for answers, you've done, you've looked in the concordance, you've gone online and done word searches and you found, trying to get you know, answers to your questions and you go to the scripture, you read it, and you're like, that's not helpful. That doesn't tell me what to do. And so what you do in your mind, you give up and you become a functional deist. In your mind, you can know God, you can go to church, you can, you can interact with him, but he has no real bearing or help for you in your daily life and daily decisions. See, in your mind, it's almost inconceivable that this spiritual God could help you with daily interactions and decisions and circumstances. So you don't have the category of wisdom. What we tend to do is either misuse or neglect the Bible, but here's what we all do. All of us stress out over decisions that aren't clear in the Scriptures. What we all do is we begin to overanalyze and second-guess everything. Because we think that there's this secret, hidden life that God has for me, but I can only get it if I make all the best decisions. If I could just make the right decisions, I'll find this special will of God for my life. This is why we need wisdom. This is why God tells us in the Scriptures, pursue wisdom. Because wisdom will not give you answers to every question. It will not. But wisdom will give you clarity to every situation. Wisdom gives you discernment and eyes to see how things really are, lets you see how God made the world to work best. Wisdom begins to show you that there are patterns that God wove into creation, and you begin to recognize those patterns and His logic. See, you begin to see the patterns, and you begin to gain clarity. Not every answer, but clarity. So I want to read with you in Proverbs 8 about the value of wisdom. Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8. I want you to see how valuable wisdom actually is. It'll be verses 10 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. It'll be on the screen behind me. Proverbs 8, verse 10. This is wisdom speaking. It says, take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight, I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. What we see in this text is wisdom is personified. So in this text, wisdom is personified, and it's speaking to us. And what wisdom is telling us is, I am more valuable than everything else you could gain in this life. That's what it's telling us. Wisdom's more valuable than money, power, relationships, more valuable than all of those things. Why? Because money, power, relationships, all those things will be taken from you at some point in time. At some point in time, you're going to find the limit of those things. you can have all the money in the world. All the money in the world, but they can't help you deal with the death of a loved one. It can't help you sort through your own emotional trauma and stress and anxiety. Money can't help that. And what wisdom is saying, I can be with you all the time. See, wisdom can't be taken from you ever. No matter the circumstance, you can have wisdom. And wisdom, it says in the text, will give you insight Discernment and strength in every circumstance. See, wisdom is what we need. It's what God is offering us today. But if you're going to possess wisdom, you need to know more of what it actually is. What we learn about wisdom in Proverbs is that God made the world in wisdom. See, woven into creation are those patterns, those principles where things work best. See, God didn't create a random chaotic world. He created one with rhythm and harmony and pattern. Let's read on in Proverbs 8. You'll see this for yourself. Proverbs 8, 22 through 31. It says, the Lord, this is, this is wisdom speaking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, verse 30, then I, wisdom, was beside him, like a master workman, and I was daily his delight." rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. What do you see in this text? Before everything else was created, wisdom was there. Before everything was created, wisdom is there. That God makes the world through wisdom. In wisdom, he makes the world. So what it means is that God has made the world with a sort of logic to it. There's sort of logic to it that there are particular patterns and actions and ways that tend to lead to the same results. Particular actions and ways tend to lead to particular and the same results. You can see this in the physical world with natural laws. see it really clearly. Let's take the law of aerodynamics. If you want to fly, you have to follow the law of aerodynamics. See, God has woven the logic of how flight works into creation. So if you don't follow the law of aerodynamics, you're going to crash. That's how it works. Well, Proverbs is saying the same is true with our lives. There are particular actions and attitudes and rhythms and disciplines that tend to lead to flourishing in your lives, in your jobs, in your relationships, in your spiritual relationship with God. So I I, want to give you two really quick, two principles that wisdom gives us that tend to lead to success. First one, wisdom says... That those who are successful typically have worked hard. It's really clear in the Proverbs again and again that hard work tends to lead to success while laziness doesn't. I'll read them to you. Don't turn there. Proverbs 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What do you see? God will have a pattern, a logic into the world that says hard work tends to lead towards success. I'll give you another one about parenting. Wisdom says that if you consciously train your child in the way they should go, when they're older, they'll walk in it. if you think about it and say, I want to teach them what is good, right, true, and beautiful, that over time, eventually, they will walk in those truths. Look at Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the logic God has woven into creation. Now, now this is the part where if you've tuned out, listen to this, is really, really crucial. It's really crucial for you to understand that there is a difference. There's a difference between the wisdom of God and Proverbs and the promises of God and the rest of the Scriptures. The wisdom of God in Proverbs is distinct from his promises in the rest of the Bible. See, God's promises that he's made in the scriptures, he's made through Christ, his promises are going to happen. His promises are going to happen all the time. So, a promise like Jesus at the end of Matthew 28 when he's resurrected, he looks at the the, the disciples and says, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. That's a promise. It's going to happen. The promise of God's love in Romans 8 that says nothing in all of creation can separate us who are in Christ from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. The promise of forgiveness of sins in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Promise. It's going to happen. Always true all the time. Wisdom is different. The wisdom in Proverbs is different. Wisdom tells us what is generally true, what is generally true, but there will be exceptions. There will be exceptions. See, God made the world to work a particular way, but guess what, sin ruined this world, so now things don't work the way they're supposed to all the time. Now things, now this fabric of creation is frayed and certain patterns stop. and They don't produce the results they're supposed to all the time. So take hard work, for example. Generally, hard work leads to success, but there are hardworking people in this life who still struggle to be successful. Why? Because of discrimination, because of societal oppression, because of disability, because of lack of education, all sorts of things. You can be hardworking in this life and still be unsuccessful. Take parenting, the illustration of parenting. Generally speaking, if you train a child in the way that you go, they're not going to depart from it when they're older, but... We know people in this room who had bad parents and yet you're walking in the truth of the gospel. You're a healthy, responsible adult and your parents weren't great. And vice versa, we need to hear this as a church. There are parents who train their children, they do it the best they ever could and their kids still walk in destructive ways. There are exceptions. Wisdom tells us what is generally true. What's generally true, it doesn't give us all the answers, it doesn't offer any guarantees. But wisdom is saying, I want to know the, the patterns in this world and closer align my life to them. They're not promises, it's wisdom. They're different from one another. And as you read the scriptures, God begins to show you these patterns. And as you read the Bible, what becomes abundantly clear is that knowing wisdom and having wisdom is more than just knowing Proverbs. It's more than just knowing Proverbs. Like it's not less than that, but it's more than that. See, when you read the Scriptures, you begin to find that in all the patterns, and all the principles, and all that's going on in the world, there's one particular pattern weaved throughout all of them. That there's one pattern, one logic that is in everything God has ever made, everything God has ever spoken, everything God has ever done. And what you begin to realize is that wisdom is not about fundamentally memorizing a teaching. It's about knowing a person. That wisdom fundamentally starts not with memorizing a teaching or a pithy statement, but in knowing a person. What you find in the Scriptures is that the world works best when Jesus Christ is at the center of it. That's what you find. God made everything to revolve around Him. It works best when it revolves around Him. See, what you find in the Scriptures is that the wisdom of God is personified, embodied in. Jesus Christ, that all wisdom is found in him. I'll read it to you. Don't turn there, 1 Corinthians 1.30. And because of him, God, you are, in, you are in Christ Jesus, listen, who became to us the wisdom from God, wisdom from God. He is wisdom. He doesn't just teach us wisdom. He is wisdom. Look at Colossians 2. 2-3, through three. says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding uh, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All wisdom, all knowledge is hidden in him. You can never have the wisdom that you need in all these circumstances in your life if you don't know wisdom himself, Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. And what's interesting is that for all the pithy statements in Proverbs, this is exactly what Proverbs says. It's exactly what Proverbs says. Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Even Proverbs says, for all the statements of wisdom that I'm giving you, you know where it starts. Knowing wisdom himself, knowing God rightly, fearing him properly, revering him as he should be, admiring him, praising him. It starts with that, and wisdom flows down. Why? Because God's the fountainhead. Everything else finds its meaning, its purpose, its value, its function. Everyone in this room finds our meaning, purpose, value, and function in light of him. That's how we figure it out. You can't understand what job to take. You can't know who to date and who not to date. You can't understand these things if you don't know who He is first. It all flows from Him. And the way you know God rightly is through Jesus. Now, it's counterintuitive, but listen to this. It's counterintuitive, but you don't gain wisdom by analyzing your situation over and over again. You don't gain wisdom by just analyzing your situation over and over and over again. You gain wisdom by starting with analyzing who God is over and over again. That's where clarity begins to happen. We reverse it. We go, okay, I'm gonna analyze and stress and think about the situation over and over again and I'll get to God later. That's not how it works. Fear of God, knowing Him, respecting Him is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, as I say that, as I say that, I'm sure some of you are checking out. I'm sure some of you are checking out. Because you're thinking, okay, I know that. I know I need to know Jesus. I know I need to have a relationship with him. I, I understand that. I just need an answer. I just need to know what to do. Just tell me what to do. That's what a lot of us feel right now. We find ourselves in these gray areas of life where you could take two different jobs. You could serve and Various places, and you just want to know what to do. See, what we really want, we want a book. We want a book that tells us the answer to everything. We want a book. We say, hey, should I take this job? All right, well, it's in Phoenix. Okay, go Concordance, Phoenix. Okay. This job, engineer, sweet. And it says, no. Okay, sweet. No, that's what we want. You and I want a book with all the answers, and instead, what does God give us? A book about a person. It's a book about a person. See, but in those decision times, what you and I want, if we're honest, if we had to choose, all right, you can have a book with all the answers rest of your life, or a book about God. I think most of us would choose the book with the answers. And if you don't feel that way right now, can I tell you, that's still the foolishness that rests in all of us. All of us want to get what we want without having to interact with God. I want your wisdom, but I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to have to worship you and know you. Just give me the answers. I don't want to worship you. I just want you to tell me what to do. See, we have this natural aversion to intimacy with God. This natural gag reflex to intimacy with God. And so what happens, we push him away to figure out the information. But guess what we just did? When you push God away, you push wisdom away. That's what we do. We push him away and with him goes wisdom. See, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God did it this way. So thankful that, that you have to know him first before you understand wisdom because that's the only way we would be satisfied. That's the only way you and I would ever be happy. Because here's the thing you could know the right answer to every predicament you'll ever face and still be left wanting. You could. You know the answer to everything you ever struggle with, and you still be left wanting. You have longings burned into you that no amount of practical information can fix, that no amount of how tos can satiate. These are long as God placed in you that no how-to manual can fix. Because if I look at our society, we have how-to manuals for everything. For everything. How to shop, how to eat, how to have sex, how to do this, how to do that. How-to on everything. 107 ways to do this better. 127 ways. I mean, there's to, so many ways. How is that helpful? But there's all these how-to manuals, so many of them, and yet I don't think people are any more confident that they're doing the right thing. Do people seem less stressed in our society? People seem less anxious, because they have a lot of how-to manuals. No. You can know every answer and still be left wanting. See, you're not made for a how-to manual, you're made for a relationship with God. That's the fundamental thing human beings have to realize in our culture. We think, tell me what to do and that'll fix me. And God says, no, you need to know me first, that'll fix you. That's what God is telling us, it's counterintuitive. But when we get to know this God, we get eternal life. Eternal life that stays consistent because it can't be broken, it can't be diminished, even in unclear situations, John 17, three. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not a how-to plan, it's a relationship. Knowing God is what you're after ultimately, and it's in this relationship where wisdom begins to flow for all of your life. See what God does, he begins to take our blinders off and we begin to see the world as he sees it. But guess what? He doesn't give you all the answers. I know for a lot of us, we think, okay, once I get to know God, he's going to tell me everything I ever need to know. I'm going to get the answers to everything. I'm never never going to be left in a conundrum ever. That's not true. That's not true. God doesn't promise to give us all the answers. He promises to give us satisfied hearts that are less worried about having all the answers. Only he can have all the answers. And it's it's an infinite amount of information. You and I can't possess that. He gives us a satisfied heart that trusts him more and says, but I know you do. I'll trust you. See, seeking wisdom always starts with seeking God. Seeking wisdom always starts with seeking God. So I want to close with a couple of practical, really practical things that you and I can do to start pursuing wisdom in our relationship with God. And let me tell you, these are incredibly simple. I'm not going to blow your mind with any of these probably. But can I tell you this? In my experience, in the experience of all those who've gone before us in the faith, what we lack most often is doing the simple things usually it's the simple things that are the most difficult to do. So I want to give you three really simple things and we'll be done. First, first, read your Bible as often as you can. Read your Bible as often as you can. The Bible is God's authoritative testimony to what the world is like. You can't know you you can't know other people, you can't know the world if you don't know the Word of God. See when you read the Bible, the way I've been thinking about it this week, when you read the Bible, it's like you're putting on the glasses of God. Putting on the glasses of God, you begin to see the world the way He sees it. And like any new prescription, it takes a while to adjust to it. It takes a while to adjust to it. I just got a new prescription three months ago with these glasses and I haven't gotten a new prescription in like three years. And so it was pretty difficult. I felt nauseous in the majority of the time. And in my mind, I thought, okay, here's how I'll do these things. I couldn't stand wearing them for a long period of time. I thought, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll wear them 30 minutes, take off 10 hours. Wear them 30 minutes, take off 10 hours. Didn't work very well. Because everything looked distorted. Everything looked off. I I thought the prescription was wrong. But what I had to do is what? Put the glasses on and push my way through it. Get through the first week and a half and then all of a sudden, what began to happen? I didn't notice distortions anymore. Things that looked foggy and fuzzy and unclear became crystal clear. Well, the Bible is the strongest prescription you can imagine. Strongest prescription you can imagine. It's the way God sees the world, and when you read it, it looks disorienting. It seems like it's off a little bit, but you you don't get everything, you don't see everything until you wear it consistently. Do you start seeing the world through it? So the Bible begins to correct your thinking on things and show you how things actually are. See, it's hard because it's a word from a God who is infinite and holy and created us. And we are finite, foolish people. It's hard for us to understand at first. But here's what happens. As you read the Bible, as you read the Scriptures over time, you begin to see the world for how it is. See, remember, wisdom is seeing the patterns of God as he's weed them into the world. And the Bible is our prescription to see those things. It's how you pick those up. And what happens over time, things that were really complicated to you, things that were really confusing, things that you didn't know how to make sense of, as you read the scriptures, those things become much more clear and much more simple. It doesn't mean you know the answer every time. It just means you're able to see them for how they are. This is what Romans 12, 2 says precisely. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice what the text says. As the word of God transforms your mind, as you adjust to the prescription of God, so to speak, and you see the world as he sees it, what begins to happen You know every answer, no. You're able to test and discern. You're able to say, okay, is that something I should do? Is that the best decision based on what I know about God and how he's wired the world? You don't know every answer. You're able to test and discern because your mind's being transformed by the word of God. And then you're able to test and discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. Wisdom. Wisdom is on the other side of daily, consistent Bible reading and contemplation. We all want some brand new thing no one's ever thought of and yet it's the old thing that we don't wanna do where wisdom lies. That's how God designed it. Read your Bibles consistently. But secondly, second thing, pray for wisdom. Pray for it. Wisdom is not static information that never changes. It's not static information that ever changes because you can have two almost identical situations in your life, two almost identical situations, and yet wisdom may prompt you to act very differently in each situation. Because every circumstance that you're in is, is unique and different. Every new challenge brings with it new nuances that you couldn't see, that you couldn't know. So the only person who has all the information is God. And so what we have to do is humble ourselves and say, I need wisdom. I can't figure this out on my own. James 1.5 commands us to do this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We have to ask for it. We don't have it. God does. So read your Bible, pray. Lastly, lastly, we need to know Getting wisdom is a slow process. It's a slow journey to get wise. You and I want to microwave everything in our lives. We do. Wise, that's what we want. We want it to be wise after reading one book or one seminar or one experience or one conversation or one sermon even. We have to realize it's a slow and steady process. Those who get wisdom pursue it consistently in Christ over time. See, the pathway to wisdom is not one big leap. It's 10,000 small steps. It's 10,000 small steps. Proverbs eight thirty four. wisdom says, "'Blessed is the one who listens to me, "'watching daily, watching daily at my gates, "'waiting beside my doors.'" This slow, steady process where you and I go to wisdom again and again and again and again. And here's what we know from Proverbs 8. Here's what you know from 1 Corinthians 1:30. When the wisdom of God is speaking, who's speaking? Jesus. He's the wisdom of God. Wisdom is speaking and saying, come and get to know me. Come follow me every day of your life. We are going to make unwise decisions. If you have in your mind there's a route where you always make wise decisions, erase that from your memory. Not going to happen. We're going to make unwise decisions. We're going to make foolish choices. But here's the thing about Jesus, when you know him and interact with him, it makes up for all the unwise things you've done. He brings a satisfaction that overwhelms all those things. And guess what, his promise, Romans 8, 28, is even your foolish decisions he will use for your good. It's incredible. You can be with Jesus and make a terrible decision and him say, I'm gonna use that for your good some way. You may not see it, you may not know how, and it doesn't mean I'm getting you out of it immediately. But I'm going to use it for your good. See, may we be a people, may we be a people concerned less with knowing the answer to everything. Always wanting the answers and not wanting intimacy with God. May we be a people who seek wisdom in the person of Jesus and we trust He'll give us the answers and the wisdom that we need. And that even when we're unsure, even when it's still unclear, that you and I would remember we still have promises to cling to. That we have to promise that this Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that this Jesus promised, I will be with you to the end of the age. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Let's pray together. Father, we want to confess that we're unwise people, that we're a people who seldom trust you, a people who try to find our own way, people who are wise in their own eyes. And God, before we ask for any answers, before we ask for any direction, God, what we desperately need more than anything, God, is a soft heart towards you. God, before you give us anything, would you make us a people who are repentant towards you and trust what you have to say, that we would interact with you and know that all of the things that we long for are found in you. God, don't let us be a people who are deceived into thinking we're made to know some teachings of wisdom. God, we're made to know wisdom, the person, and he'll lead us where we need to go. God, would you make us a wise people who submit our ways to the way you've created the world to work best? And God, would you lead to flourishing in our relationships, in our jobs? But God, would you do that so we could be more generous? Would you do that so we could show this city it's not because we've made good decisions? It's because we have a very wise God who's very kind to us. God, save us from being a people who want wisdom for our own glory. Make us a church that wants to be wise so everyone can see how great you are, God. Save us from that. Because happiness and joy and purpose is found in you, in you alone. Thank you that you've given us your word to know these things. In Christ's name we pray, amen.